The world becomes increasingly unpredictable. It's more important than ever to be prepared for any situation. We tend to stock up on the essentials like food, water, and first aid supplies, but there are some items that often slip our minds. These overlooked items can make all the difference in an emergency situation. Hey, this is episode 780 of the Ready Your Future podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you prepare for a better future. It's all about loving your people, getting prepared, and living free. I'm Todd Sepulveda, a regular guy living in the suburbs who understands the need to be better prepared for the future. Hey, are you looking to up your preparedness knowledge? Don't spend time bouncing around the internet for the best preparedness content. Instead, sign up for the top preparedness articles and get them right in your email. For $5 a month, you can get the top preparedness articles from around the internet sent to your email weekly. You can choose to read them or drop them in the Pocket app and have them read to you as you go about your day. The Buy Me a Coffee link to the top preparedness articles is in the show notes. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode. I want to give a big shout out to my listeners in Poland. Wow, thanks for listening guys over there. See you guys in the analytics showing up. And I just want to say a big thank you. Hey, we've been looking at Little House in the Big Woods and just kind of doing a little recap of that. We are down to the second to last chapter. I've been listening to the Audible book version. This one, this chapter is called The Wonderful Machine. Now, Picking up from last week, we're still in harvest season for with Laura and all her family, and everyone is pitching in to harvest vegetables, and they're putting them up, and they're putting them up in their you know second story and all that good stuff. At one point, Paul takes some of the oats and he cuts off the the straws. Mom uh, or Ma, she uh, soaks those in water and then uses those to uh, weave hats, straw hats for the family. So I think that's pretty interesting. And she does all, she does a couple of different ones, you know, one for Laura, one for Mary and a couple of, a couple of different hats for Paul, like one for his, you know, like a Sunday hat. And then the other one is like everyday type of hat. And so it's just one of those things where, you know, people had so many skills back then that you don't really think about just being able to pay, hey, you know, throw down some straw, you know, and, and uh, form them into, to hats. So I thought that was pretty cool. But the chapter was really surrounding a machine. And basically, it was a machine to process the oats. And, you know, one of the things that Laura, Laura says in, as she's writing is this was an eight horsepower machine because there was eight horses that would turn to, to make this thing happen. Basically, it is, you know, they're separating the oats from the shaft and they're doing all of that. And it's, uh, it's you know, if we looked at it today, it'd be a very crude machine but back then, it was something that saved them a whole lot of time. So Paul mentions as Laura winds out, winds down the um, the uh, the chapter that this machine saved him weeks of having to do this work by hand. So you know, weeks versus an afternoon. Now they worked really hard doing it, and the people who brought the machine over, I mean, it was their machine, so they get a cut of the food. You know, a couple of bags of oats or whatever. But it was something that was uh, very, you know, very useful. And so Paul talked about, I think one of the last lines there in that chapter was he liked the modern inventions, right? To help ease work. And again, we, you know, we're thinking about back in the 1800s, those aren't a lot of modern inventions, but it saved a lot of work from, you know, again, one afternoon versus weeks of having to do all of that by hand. And so I, I think one of those things, you know, when we think about skills and things that we would need. These people that had this machine weren't necessarily farmers or ranchers or anything like that, but they were able to make a living because they had a machine that was able to go and save people a lot of time. They were able to go and work with Paul one, you know, in, in the, in the morning, in the afternoon to the, to the afternoon time. And then the second half of the day, they would be able to go somewhere else so they could make a lot of money or, you know, uh, I guess the, the, their cuts and stuff like that to be able to, to do something like this. And all they did was supply some of the horses because Paul and his brother, uh, had uh, a couple of the horses that they uh, connected to it, and uh, they were able to able to do this. So anyway, that's it for that chapter. We'll look at the last chapter, and then I think that's going to be it for Little House in the Big Woods. I'm not going to go into the other ones, but if you are interested in checking out that book or any of the other books that I've uh, listened to on Audible, you can go to audiopreps.com. Again, that's audiopreps.com. 
All right, so let's go ahead and jump into the article of this episode. Uh, I'm going to tell you, I don't agree with everything in this article. So I'm going to use this article and bounce off of some things and I'll share what those things are. They'll be very apparent to when we get to that you know, point in the, in the article here. But this one's coming to us from survivalsullivan.com. It's entitled the top 10 most overlooked preps that you need to get ASAP. And then, you know, it says the top 10 most overlooked preps, but really that depends on who you are, where you live, what's important to you. He, he talks a little bit about that at the very beginning of this article. But again, there's going to be some things here that I don't completely agree with. So I'll share those things and actually give you some resources as we, as we go throughout this episode. So let's go ahead and get started again, survivalsullivan.com, the top 10 most overlooked preps you need to get ASAP. Part of being prepared means having the right supplies, tools, and equipments to face whatever disaster befalls you head on. While it is true that the more you know, the less you need, having the right stuff close at hand sure helps. The less you have to fashion, build, scavenge, or improvise in a crisis, the better. You might say that being forced to improvise is a symptom of lack of preparation, but I digress. No matter how carefully you lay in supplies and how religiously you pour over your list, some things will typically fall through the cracks. Items big and small that are crucially important in all kinds of situations may be forgotten or ignored because you did not anticipate a need for them or just because you plain forgot them. No matter what reason they were admitted, you need to correct this deficiency and grab them pronto. In today's article, I'll list the top 10 preps I see otherwise diligent preppers overlooking and tell you why they are important. Now, you don't even have to get to the list proper, and I can already hear keyboards just clattering, ready to rebuke me over my selections. I am sure that for a significant fraction of the population, they actually will not ever, ever even conceivably need some of these items. That much must be true. But for the 98% of us who aren't planning to escape into the wild with our knife, axe, and precious little else to survive wild and free, they will every time make a difference. That all being said, your personal survival context will dictate if these items are duh, level, oversight, or purely optional nice-to-haves. You should never take any advice you hear or read as gospel, even from such a trusty source as Survival Sullivan. But you should, and I'll throw in Todd over at Ready Your Future as well, but you should think critically and hard about the why or the why not. Don't let preference, bias, or presumption blind you to lurking threats. Now, you may have your personal survival escape and bug out plan wired A to Z, but all it takes is one major curveball to completely flip the script. Suddenly, your perfect plan is turned on its head or trashed entirely, and you might be sorely lacking supplies or equipment that is critical. No, you cannot truly plan or prepare for every permutation of every possible disaster, and one might argue that even preparing for a true one-in-a-million chance is a waste of resource, time, and manpower. But you do well to expect the unexpected. Below, you'll find the preps that I have found time and time again to be undervalued or omitted entirely from preppers' uh, preparations. <laughs> Note that some folks, including perhaps yourself, might actually have some of these items in your goodie stash. You aren't necessarily off the hook yet. I'll wager by my estimation that you probably don't have enough. So sometimes preppers make the mistake of overestimating how far supplies can take them or the inverse, how long an SHTF situation might last. And their meager supply will not carry them through to better, safer days and a good outcome. If this turns out to be the case, remember the old prepper maxim, buy it cheap and stack it deep. So the first one on the list is antibiotics. And now this is going to be the one that I do not agree with, but let me get through this section and then I'll come back. You'll rarely encounter a prepper who lacks medical equipment and supplies like gauze, bandages, medical tape, tourniquets, and more along with a little training, at least to put them to life-saving use. What is rare though is the prepper who stocks and rotates supplies of antibiotics among their other medical preps. Antibiotics are rightly one of the single greatest discoveries ever in human history, rendering once fatal diseases survivable or even trivial and preventing almost entirely the risk of death from wounds becoming infected with nasty germs. Antibiotics are not foolproof, but they are the first and best defense against a battery of microbial threats. So why don't most preppers stock antibiotics? This one is easy. It's a pain in the butt. Antibiotics require a prescription and the cooperation of your doctor. They can be expensive, typically have short shelf lives, and require frequent rotation and replenishment. 
Unlike the can of Spam and green beans that is nearing its expiration date that you can pull and prepare in a meal, recouping your investment in calories at least, you cannot nom your antibiotics unless the situation calls for it. The aggravation, expense, and hassle of keeping antibiotics on hand and in prime effective condition means many preppers don't bother trusting to homeopathic methods to fight infection or homebrew techniques like the use of fish antibiotics. Now, I am not any kind of expert on fish antibiotics, but I can tell you this, they are for fish, not people. While they may do no harm and have at least some positive effect, you can bet your butt they don't hold a candle to moxifloxin and other high-caliber antibiotics. Don't let infection spell certain death. Keep antibiotics on hand and fresh. Okay, let me go ahead and come back to this one. And like I said, I do not agree with this one at all. I don't agree with the author on this one. So I have had Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy on my podcast. And even before they were writing about fish antibiotics long, long, long time ago, even before studying the podcast, I mean, I, I remember linking to articles on Prepper website. So Amy told me that at one point she went to a, a factory where they produce this, right? And she can do that because she's a medical professional and she, they allowed her to go in and they gave her a tour and the whole deal. And basically what happens is they just take the same antibiotics that they use for fish and for people, and they just stick another label on there. So think about it. There is not a separate fish antibiotic factory for just fish antibiotics. There's not a separate antibiotic factory just for people antibiotics, right? And so the same, the same factory is not like, or the same factory doesn't do both. It's like, okay, hey, we're making a round of uh, people antibiotics and now we're going to make a round of fish antibiotics. It's the same exact thing. All they do is do a label, right? They just change the label. Now, fish don't take antibiotics like people do. You, you, you know, when there is an issue and they need antibiotics, you take the capsule, you open it up and, you know, it goes into the water and that's how the fish get it. You know, we take them, you know, through, through, um, you know, through our mouths and we, we take them that way. So, you used to be able to get fat fish antibiotics very, very easily. And here's the thing. If they did not work, why would they have taken them down like that? You know, why would they have removed them? They used to be able to go to Amazon and grab them easily. I had an advertiser back on, uh, actually, if I remember correctly, I told him he should carry these and he started doing it. Uh, Camping Survival. And you could go and you could buy fish antibiotics from them. And so, you know, it's one of those things. If you can still find them, you know, you can, you know, they're still out there, but I think they've shut all of that down on the internet. That was a big issue years ago. So another thing that I, I would not agree with here, or at least, uh, I mean, I agree with it, but uh, I'm not throwing away my old antibiotics. I'm not throwing away any medicine whatsoever. I'm going to keep the medicine. So even if I have antibiotics that have uh, run its course, right, their expiration date, um, the only thing that happens to medicine is it goes down in potency. That's it. So if I have fish antibiotics or antibiotics that I'm that I'm saving for the long haul, uh, I know that it might be, you know, and I got understand the dosage and all of that kind of stuff. And you can get Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's book on this. And you can go and there's a lot of information online and over on their website. Just go to their website, doomandbloom.net and search for antibiotics or fish antibiotics. But you can understand and find out the dosage, right? The, the dosage is going to be the same for antibiotics. It comes in the same milligrams, uh, fish antibiotics as, as people antibiotics do. So, you know, I'm not going to throw them away. I'm just going to, I might have to double up on them if they're really old and the potency and stuff like that. I'd rather have that in, in an emergency situation than nothing. And especially right now where medicine is very hard to get. I mean, there are statements, people are talking about like, the the pharmacy is like, hey, you, you know, it's going to be a week before we get your your medicine. And these are some of the things that are you know required, some of the things that people need and things like that. So I don't agree completely with this fish antibiotic stuff. Uh, I think you really need to look into it. There, I used to have an advertiser on Prepper website who he was a, a legit doctor and he would sell antibiotics, a whole like, you know, whatever, a whole round of antibiotics, different kind of antibiotics to be used for different things. 
you did have to fill out like uh, information online. You did have to do all that kind of stuff and give them personal information like you would your regular doctor. He was a regular doctor. And he was like, Todd, without this information, I can't, I can't do this or I won't do this. You know, I'll get in trouble. But you could do it online. You could, you could order it online and get it. If you live close to the border, you go down to Mexico and you can, you can find places down there. You can easily get antibiotics that way. I remember years ago when we took a trip, uh, a cruise and we went, you know, like I think we hit Jamaica, Grand Cayman, and we went to Cozumel and, you know, they're on, um, when you, when you disembark from the, from the boat, then you know, they had all this area where you could go and you can shop and all that kind of stuff. And one of the things that there was just a line out the door was you could go get prescription medicines there and they had everything you wanted there. You didn't need a prescription. You could just get it. So if that's the case for you, you can go get prescription antibiotics very easily uh, or, you know, antibiotics without a prescription and you can, you can get them there. If that's something that you do, you take cruises and stuff. I would not go to Mexico uh, for anything right now. So uh, if I, if I took a trip on the boat, I'd probably stay on the boat the way things are right now. Uh, There's a lot of bad stuff going on down there. But anyway, that's what I wanted to say about the antibiotics. I mean, this is one of those things. I am going to link to two podcast episodes. So if you have been listening for a while, you've heard these already. I think it was episode, uh, let me see, episode 500 and 524 and then episode 525. I did back-to-back episodes talking with Dr. Bones about first one is over-the-counter medicines that everyone should stockpile. And and then the second one was about antibiotics and fish antibiotics. And he goes through the whole story and he talks about that there. So I would highly recommend if you have not listened to those or it's been a long time, go back and listen to episode 524 and 525 so that you get some information about that. And I think it would be very, very valuable. All right, so let's go ahead and go on to the next uh, the next thing that he says that you should have, and uh, I'll talk a little bit about this one too. Next up on the list is fuel. So yes, most preppers keep fuel on hand in handy gas can or two, but only a few take pains to keep a substantial fuel supply ready to gas up and go. You might not think you need to keep a big supply of gas on hand, especially if you are planning to bug out to a safer place far from your well-stocked abode, but reality might have other plans when the big day arrives. What if, however it happens, you wind up trapped more or less in your local area, unable to make the long-distance journey to your bug-out location? If all you kept handy was a couple of jerry cans full of gas, and now that becomes your long-haul supply, you'll be very miserable with your vehicle and any gasoline or diesel, etc., powered tools that you might have. A good supply of even a single 55-gallon drum, half drum, or several large man portable cans will allow you to use your labor-saving and potentially life-saving gas guzzlers more liberally and frequently. Sound far-fetched? Well, how about the notion that even staying put on purpose, you can use an inverter to make your vehicle an ad hoc generator to power your other electrical devices or provide cool AC in blazing temperatures and a dozen other handy functions? An abundant gas supply is also a boon for friends, family, neighbors, and down-on-their-luck strangers who could use a hand. An important concept for building goodwill and bartering. Do remember that fuel breaks down over time, and so stabilization, rotation, and proper storage will be required for this prep. All right, I don't really agree with this one either. I agree that you should have fuel, but I don't agree that you should have like a 55-gallon drum or or a half drum or something along those lines. So one of the things that I know that people in the past have talked about is rotating your gas can. So if let's say you had 12 gas cans and you filled them up, you filled, you know, you, you filled them up every, uh, you know, every month or whatever, then, you know, every so often you're dumping those into your, to your, uh, your gas tank. Here's the thing. Uh, I tried doing that once I tried Like I had six gas and I was doing it every, every other month. Right. It's like, it takes a lot of time. It's messy. And I really never got to a point where I needed them, right? So I know that we prep and you need to you know, prep for times when you, you don't need stuff. But every time that I would have needed it, if I needed it, I would have been able to get to a store. So if you're talking about like the zombie apocalypse and there's no chance of, you know, the lights coming back on and power and all that kind of stuff, you have more things to worry about than trying to run your, your, your vehicle for, uh, you know, ad hoc uh, inverter power or whatever, or your, your generator and stuff like that. I, I have a dual fuel, 
uh, generator. And so I have plenty of propane tanks. I've talked about that before in the past. My goal would be to run my freezers. If it was a real long-term, like the zombie apocalypse type stuff, run uh, my freezers until I was able to can everything can everything that's in my in my freezer and then go from there and then you're you know it it doesn't matter you're going to run out of fuel anyway and so i I think it's just a lot of work to keep that going now if that's you and you want to do that more power to you i don't think you need to have a 55 gallon drum i think you need to you know you need to stabilize it you need to you know you stable use you know another additive that will that will help and you need to be able to keep up with it because nowadays, I mean, they just the gas isn't like it used to be. And so you want to be careful not to, you know, have old gas and put, mix old gas with good gas and put it into your vehicle and then or your generator and then ruin it because, you know, it's you know, all it's evaporated and has water and stuff in there. I would prefer propane if you were going to stock fuel. That's just me. And, you know, you got to you got to go with it however you think you need to go with it. But if you want to do the gas cans and you want to switch them out and you're okay with that and the messiness of it and keeping it in a garage or somewhere where, you know, you can keep it away from a flame and and, and you're good, then more power to you on that one. All right. Number eight is building supplies. You might or number three, I guess he's doing a countdown from 10, 9, 8. I guess I'll go count down. Yeah, I'll count down with them. Number eight is building supplies. You might have the tools, but they will do you no good without the raw materials to put them to use. For general preparedness, but especially if bugging in is a keystone in your plans, you must have some construction materials to repair damage, create barricades and defenses or other utility structures as the situation dictates. You don't need to go crazy here, but a good supply of common lumber and plywood sizes, along with PVC pipes, wire, screws, nails, tapes, and heavy plastic sheeting will allow you to repair damage to your dwelling and make it weatherproof or at least more weather resistant. And before you jump to the conclusions and think you'll simply gather building materials from other wrecked and ruined homes around your yours, consider the fact that it looks an awful like a lot like looting and more than a little like scavenger picking at a corpse not the best light for your former or current neighbors to see you in. So I do agree that you should have materials. Um, I, I don't know about plywood. I know that anytime that we use wood for whatever reason, and it's a, it's, it's a nice piece, I always I have a place where I put that in my garage and I keep that. And so I have you know pieces of wood if I needed something like that. Um, but I do believe in having screws and nails and tools to use and all of that kind of stuff. I love, uh, I just bought some more of the heavy plastic sheeting. And so I think that's something that is good. You know, you go to Home Depot, they sell it in 3.5, 4, 6 mil, depending on how you want to do it. Sell it in black, they sell it in clear. Uh, I think that's always smart. And so having all of that, sometimes you luck out, you go to a garage sale and someone's just getting rid of a bunch of stuff. I mean, you can load up on screws and, and different things like that. So I think that's a smart idea to have. Uh, to have some of these things that you can you can use if you needed to. Uh, he didn't say tarps in here, but I think tarps would be smart as well. Uh, during Hurricane Harvey and Ike and all of those that we had down here in the Houston area, you could drive down the street and you could see plenty of blue tarps all over the place. And people, you know, putting those up because they lost shingles because of the wind, the hur- hurricane force winds and everything. So I think that would be something to uh, to definitely use. All right, number seven is siphons. Gathering liquid will no longer be as easy as turning on a tap when the SHTF, at least in most situations. Contamination, power outage, and other unfortunate events will see taps, hoses, pumps, spigots, and hydrants fail, leaving you to invent some ingenious way to painstakingly and laboriously transfer the target liquid from one source to another without losing or ruining it. At least that's what will happen if you don't have siphons and hand pumps. For nabbing water and fuel from low-lying, enclosed, or hard-to-reach places, these contraptions are the best buy. Sure, yeah, you could siphon it by mouth and risk injury, infection, or a mouthful of nastiness, or you could bust out your siphon and get it done efficiently, quickly, and safely. Siphons and hand pumps make short work of what is otherwise a tricky proposition. It should not have to be said, but I'm going to. Remember to get two siphons of two types of siphons, one for fuel and one for water. Ensure they are marked, don't mix them up, and never ever use one for the other. No matter how it happens, you'll wind up with contamination and potentially not being able to trust your siphon again for the job you bought it for. Siphons. Get some and learn how to use and maintain them. 
So I agree with that. I think it's a smart thing to have some siphons and hand pumps. They're not very expensive. You can go and, and, and find them in a lot of different places and, uh, you know, just put one up. And if you, if you're doing the gas thing, the fuel thing, it might be a good way to go ahead and, and, uh, transfer, transfer fuel that way. It might be a little cleaner that way instead of trying to pour it. But, um, you know, something that you can use definitely. Number six is fume mask. Now, fires are an extremely common occurrence all over the world, and all it takes is a minor mishap to spark a small fire that will grow into a raging conflagration in no time flat. Fires also occur naturally in the form of wildfires and concurrent events caused by all kinds of natural and man-made disasters. While the prospect of burning up is terrifying and you are right to fear it, statistically it is smoke inhalation and subsequent asphyxiation that will be the most likely to incapacitate and kill you. Prevent this likely occurrence by investing in a lightweight fume mask that covers the head and provides filtration for smoke-borne particulates. Proper full-size gas masks can work, but are bulky and not as quick to put on. If you already have gas masks, simply ensure they are rated for smoke and utilize the appropriate cartridges necessary. Otherwise, nab some fume masks from any fire safety and prevention store. A good unit will be quick to don, easy to adjust, and see through and provide an ample seal around the neck and face. A fume mask that does not prevent smoke from slipping past the filter intake is less than no good. This is a cheap and drastically underrated prep that I do not see many preppers investing in. With all the chaos that has been caused by riots and wildfires in recent months, not to mention more wildfires on the horizon if scientists can be trusted, it is painfully obvious how needed these are. Get them and learn to use them. You know, not too long ago, you could get a, a gas mask and I, I know it's a little different than what he's saying here, although he did say gas mask in this, in this section. Uh, gas masks were pretty expensive. I think they've come down a whole, whole lot. So just looking on Amazon, there's uh, there's some different gas masks that you can go and, and check out. So if this is something that you think you need or something you want to stock up on, you know, do some price comparisons. Definitely look at reviews and, uh, and get a good one. All right, number five is personal document backup. We talk a lot about this one and we just call it our emergency binder. So let's see what he has to say about this one. It's easy to forget how important your personal records are when you are planning to simply keep your butt alive and move and, and above room temperature. Understandable, but you should know that statistically you will reach safety and working civilization again, or the lights will come back on and things will get back to normal even if you have been displaced from your home. Wherever you have civilization, you have bureaucracy and that means you need to provide your bona fides. That is just the way it is, no matter how much you might prefer the Mad Max life. I'm kidding, but only a little. Paper or digital copies of IDs, social security cards, birth certificates, diplomas, credit cards, bank accounts, and more should all be made and kept with your emergency supplies or nearby. Now, this requires some careful thought on your part, as any person who gets a hold of this file has literally the keys to the city if they want to steal your identity and ruin your life. And digital copies kept on flash drives or memory cards should be encrypted and authenticated, secured by a tech-savvy person before you trust them. Paper copies must be very well hidden or the data somehow concealed as to avoid all but the most thorough search, sewn into an article of clothing or bag lining, perhaps. All right, so I completely agree that you should have an emergency binder with all your information. Uh, we talked a little bit about a digital, you know, maybe putting on a USB drive or a thumb drive, encrypting it. Um, they do sell USBs that, that are encrypted and you, you can use those and work with those. And so you just need to think about how to do that. There's a lot of, you know, even your camera on your phone, you can set it up to where you can take digital, you know, pictures of your, of your files and turn those into, you know, a digital version of your emergency binder. I've talked a lot about that. I think it's very helpful to have that. It will save you a lot of grief if you have to leave your home, if your fire, if, if a fire burns up your home, or something along those lines. Uh, you have those documents already, you know, prepared, and you don't have to go stand in line at a government building. You know, you know, you know like a, over and over again, trying to you know reproduce your marriage license, your social security, your birth certificates, and all that kind of stuff. All right, number four is, I think this is a real legit one too. It's manual washing machines. So talk about going old school. In any but the shortest of disaster situations, you'll eventually have need to wash your clothing. Yes, you can pack or keep extra to forestall laundry day, but eventually you'll have to tackle that stinky, dirty pile of clothes. 
While many methods of accomplishing this exist, from ancient washboards to beating your clothes against river rocks, all of these methods will affect your clothes, fibers, and stitching. A better way, and one that uses little water and effort in the bargain, is a small, manually operated washing machine designed to use liquid soap or normal detergent. These crank or foot-pedaled powered dynamos can get a small load of wash remarkably clean in a short time with comparatively little effort and do it all quietly and in a small space. A quick wash, hand rinse, spin, and then some time in the sun, and you'll be smelling and feeling as fresh as a daisy with properly clean clothes. So this is one that a lot of people really probably miss. Um, you know, they, they sell these little washing machines. Some of them are kind of expensive. But, you know, what would you do if you couldn't use your washing machine anymore? Or you couldn't go to a laundry mat anymore? You know, how would you handle that? And so that's something to to think about and something to possibly get, you know, something that you could use in place of that. I like an old mop bucket with the ringers, you know, the kind that you would have at school or like a business or something along those lines. You can buy them at Walmart or Sam's or, you know, any big box store. And so you can use that to wring out your clothes if you needed to or to wash them or whatever. But uh you know, there's been a lot of articles on that. You, you know, doing a quick search will find a lot of information on that. So number three is pepper spray. So you'll never need mention self-defense to most preppers. They are already dying to tell you about their latest gun, crossbow, battle axe, or whatever. Sad to say, but it is of course true that our fellow man and former neighbors might be the biggest threat we encounter during a serious SHTF situation. Fear, lack, and desperation will make people go mad and turn on their fellows with little warning and terrible repercussions. Even in the midst of such awful times, you should have a defensive option that is better than your fist, but not as final and as lethal as a gun or a knife. For my money, pepper spray is the only thing that fits the bill. Pepper spray gives you the range, effectiveness, and follow-up capability in a small package that is unbeatable for the money. No other less lethal tool does what pepper spray can do. And I mean pepper spray, not bug spray, wasp spray, or anything else. None of those hasty or improvised sprays even come close to doing what pepper spray will, which is knock the starch right out of someone's will to fight. And on the chance that they do carry on, it is always easier to beat someone who can barely see or breathe. Get a small canister for carry in your pocket or pouches and a mega-sized riot canister for at home or in the car hijinks. All right, so uh, definitely the ones with the cayenne pepper that is going to sting, but also that is going to affect someone's breathing, you know, when they, when you hit them in the face with it. I think that's smart. They do sell some that um, I want to say the, the Sabre brand is probably the one that uh, I have purchased for my wife in the past, but they do sell some that they, the, it comes with a can, but then it also comes with another one that has water in it, or you can go refill it with water so that you can practice what it feels like and actually pushing it down. And so that's the problem with pepper sprays. You never really spray it. And so if you've never had to use it, you know, there might be, you know, in, in a situation where you're trying to flip it, you know, the thumb and you're trying to get it right and trying to spray it and aim it at the right place. Having one that you can practice with is, uh, is pretty smart. So they, they sell some of those on definitely on Amazon that you can find. Number two is reference manuals. So go ahead and plan on Google being Wikipedia, YouTube, and yes, even Survival Sullivan being DOA when the Merida hits the oscillator. Any information you do not know by heart or have written down means you won't have access to it unless someone teaches you or you can read it somewhere. Read it. So hey, there's an idea. Why not keep a whole bunch of reference materials handy in book format, be it ink or old-fashioned paper binding so that you can access potential need-to-know information in a pinch. From first aid to car repair, gardening to animal rearing, there are guidebooks, manuals, technical documents, and so much more that you can add to your survival library just in case. Especially with the rise and prevalence of e-readers and phones, you can carry around a literal entire library worth of books in a slim, sturdy device that weighs only a hair more than your average paperback novel. While it won't replace experience and true expertise, a good how-to book is a hell of a lot better than wearing a dumb look on your face or finding an answer the fun way by trial and error, errors you might not be able to afford. If you just have to have paper, consider any of the excellent survival field manuals and prepper Bibles as excellent starting points. Many of these tomes are all available in reduced size formats for easy inclusion in Bob's. 
Okay, so I disagree with the the whole, you know taking these reference materials in your bug out bag. I more would you know load it onto an e reader and, and kind of go from there. There are you know you can power there. There's the portable USB power banks that you can uh, power with USB with solar. And uh, it takes forever to do that, but if you're in, you know, the apocalypse or whatever, you could do that and and then power up your e-reader to do that. The problem with books is that it takes up a lot of space, and so you have to be willing to to use up a lot of space to store these. And then if you are someone who does have you, I mean, a bug out location, you are planning to bug out then what do you do with all those books? You know, So you can buy them to read them, but then what do you do with them afterwards? I mean, do you go and store them in your bug out location? You know, what happens if you don't wind up going to your bug out location? Blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. So anyway, uh, I like the e-readers. I think that's, that's smart. And uh, if you use like the Amazon Kindle, just the, like the, the ink edition, those can handle a lot, a lot, a, a lot of data and they don't, take up a lot of power so you can you know you can charge it up and they will go for a long long time but uh, i do love tablets as well i mean if you needed to save videos i've done videos on saving videos to tablets and and all that kind of stuff so i do think that really helps out i'm going to have something on this talking about reference materials later later in the future i've been working on some things and i just haven't been able to uh you know finalize everything and share it with you but i'm going to be working on some things to help uh in the future so i'm looking forward to that so let's go ahead and go to the last one. It's bleach. So chlorine bleach is nothing short of a survival godsend, able to sterilize and sanitize everything from surfaces to tools to your skin and most vitally, even your water supply. Plain regular unscented bleach can be added to questionable or known contaminated water sources to kill any lurking microbes inside that might make you sick or kill you. Yeah, it will have a pool water taste and smell, but it will be far safer to drink. Just make sure to get the splashless plain, no added nothing bleach for this purpose. For cleaning up the aftermath of blood or other bodily product spills, bleach is also the king of over-the-counter agents, making short work of germs on smooth surfaces like floors, counters, and tools. A strong mixture of bleach in distilled water is more than up to the task when left to sit for a short time on the surface before being washed away. Do take care that you rotate your bleach. Yes, Bleach loses its bleachiness over the t- over time. The general rule is when it loses that sharp tang, it is losing efficacy. The good news is bleach is a common household agent and will always be useful. So as long as you adopt a first-in, first-out policy when it is time to scrub the bathroom, you can be assured your freshest stock is always on hand in case of disaster. The bad news is bleach is six months at the most, so you want to rotate it often. Take the time to learn your ratios for using bleach properly and safely as anything except strict adherence to the recipe might injure you or ruin your water and mixing bleach with a number of other chemicals can produce dangerous byproducts and potentially deadly gases. Give this powerhouse staple the respect it deserves and stock up. All right. If you are following me on YouTube or even just, of course, on the podcast, if you're downloading the other episodes uh, not just the main episode that I release on Sunday evening, uh, then you know that I've started doing the 25 articles. So like every other week, I'm going to do one of the 25 articles that I used to share out in, uh, in, in the email list. So when you would subscribe for the email list, you would get the 25 preparedness articles that every, you know, everybody should read. And so a lot of those are not even on the internet any longer, but you can get to them with the Wayback Machine. And so I have the links that you can do that and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And so this last time I used, uh, I did a 25 on the rules for survival. And so you might've listened to that one. Um, So two weeks from now, I'm going to release another one. And I'm probably going to do the one with Gay Levy when she still owned Backdoor Survival, when she talked about making bleach using shock and the ratios and all that different kinds of things. So, you know, that's one way to do it is to keep, um, you know, if you have a pool or to go buy shock and then you make your own bleach and that way it doesn't go bad. That, you know, shock does not go bad. And so that's one way of always having a, a, you know, supply of bleach and, you know, a little, a little bit of shock goes a long, long way when you're doing that. So uh, be looking for that maybe in a couple of weeks, I'll, I'll be sharing that one out. And that's a, that's really a good one to, to know, you know, and, and, and to, uh, 
to memorize the the different ratios and stuff like that. Um, again, just like the bleach here that you uh, that you talked about, it needs to be just pure plain bleach and not with any kind of scent or anything else. When you buy shock, it's got to be that way too. It can't have any any extra additives. It just has to be pure shock. So we'll talk about that when we get to that uh, that portion. All right, so let's go ahead and finish this uh, article out. So some preps are crucially important and chronically overlooked. Take the time to review the list above and make sure you aren't shooting yourself in the foot by omitting any of them. Even if you cannot foresee yourself needing them, chances are with just a twist of fate, they could become vital. Don't make things harder by omitting them with good reason or without good reason. All right, so um, that's it for this article. Again, like always, I'm going to link to it so you can go check it out over at Survival Sullivan. But I have some other items that I kind of thought about that I wanted to share with you and uh, that, you know, you might want to consider for your, uh, for your supplies, you know, that things that you, you might not be thinking about. One of the things he mentioned here, and um, this isn't really on my list, but I wanted to go back to the article is he talked about first aid supplies. And one of the things that I remember, again, going back to Dr. Bones and nurse Amy, and when it comes to medical advice, I, I mean, they're the ones that I listen to. And you all, you, know, you might think you have a closet full of of first aid supplies. You might think you have like this big, great uh, bag, you know, first aid bag. And I've got a lot of first aid supplies. But one of the things, you know, in a situation where a couple of people are hurt, you can go through those things really, really quickly. And so first aid supplies is one of those things that you can always add to. You might not have the room for it, but you can always add to it if you have the room, you know, just stack, stack that stuff deep. All right, so other items that you might not be thinking about that would be really good to have is cash on hand. Now, a lot of people nowadays, they use their phones to, to pay for things. They use their credit cards or their debit cards or, or all that kind of stuff. Many people do not keep cash on hand. But if you were in a situation, let's just say lights go out and you can still get to the store and maybe they're still operating. Maybe you it's in the first couple of hours and you can, you know, they're not able to take credit cards, but you can go and you can stock up on rice and beans and different things like that. And you have cash and you're able to switch that out and uh, they're able to do it. You know, they're able to do it manually. So maybe people would probably shut down and, and not open the doors and things like that. You might be surprised. Um, later on down the road, people who don't understand what is happening and they still might be wanting to trade dollars, you know, for, for things. Plus the, the, the fact that it's just good to have cash on hand if you need it for whatever reason. And so having a little bit of cash on hand is smart, I think. And, uh, you know, just put it somewhere where you're not going to use it and you have it available. I already talked about uh, episode 524 with Dr. Bones, you know, prescription or over-the-counter, I'm sorry, not prescription, but over-the-counter medications that you should stockpile. Um, that That's one of those things. You know, we go to our medicine cabinet, we might have a bottle of ibuprofen, we might have, you know, some sinus medicine, we might have some cough medicine, but you probably don't have enough. One of the things this last winter season, when people were dealing with, you know, people were still dealing with, you know, the 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 virus that should not be named, and and the uh, uh, other, uh, you know, other sinus infections and things like that, is you couldn't find sinus medicine, you couldn't find, uh, you know, allergy relief, you couldn't find that kind of you know cold and flu medicine uh, on on hand. And I remember people talking about that, you know, at work and like you, you had to look for it. And I went to the store and cause I don't need to do that. I don't need to stock up whenever I need it. I went to the store and I was looking, I'm like, sure enough. I mean, it was like empty. It was like ghost town. Like I couldn't believe it. And so that's one of those things that you, you know, stocking up a little bit, again, you rotate that out. Like you do your food or anything else first in, first out but meds don't really go bad like people say. So you can still use it with a little lower potency, uh, even if it does expire. Another thing that you might want to consider that um, to stock up on is hygiene items. Now we talk about soap and shampoo and things, but I mean, have you, I mean, if you're someone who shaves, do you, do you have razors? Do you have shaving cream? And maybe you have bars of soap. Maybe you'll go old school, you know, with the old school brush. I mean, really that's, that's what I use. Um, do you have, 
uh, ways to like cut your hair. You know, of course, uh, you wouldn't be able to use a trimmer or whatever, but you know, do you have scissors to cut your hair? Do you even know how someone would do that if you needed to? Uh, what about feminine hygiene products? You know, do you have something that you could use um, if you weren't able to go to the store, you weren't able to, to get to those things? One of the things that I told um, everybody, and I've, I've said this over, over and over again, but if you're new to the, to the podcast, you might not have heard this one before, is when things were going bad, when we were initially, uh, right before we were locked down, I shared with my, my coworkers, I'm like, go buy things, go buy food, go buy hygiene items. Worst case scenario, you know, if you, if you stock up on those things, you don't have to go to the store for, uh, you know, a, a certain amount of time. Best case scenario is you can't find those things and you have what you need at home. So get, you know, stock up on those hygiene items. I think that's very important. And I think a lot of people do, but I think a lot of people probably don't go as deep as they could on, on hygiene items. Another thing is what about maps and compasses? So we're used to using Google Maps or Apple Maps or whatever maps you Bing Maps, whatever maps you use online. Um, there's others that you can download to your phone. I think I've talked about that here recently in the past. But what about you know old school maps? Um, having one of those, maybe having a compass, knowing how to use them. You can do videos online on YouTube and it will teach you how to do orienteering and how to use a compass and how to do all that kind of stuff. So I think having a map of your area, maybe of a you know greater area, maybe of the state next to you or wherever you might be going. If you, you know, maybe the States all around you surrounding you, that might be something that you might want to consider. So anyway, having some maps, I think is smart. That's something that people probably don't always think about. Um, I remember dad had a key map back in the day and we've never purchased another key map since that one, you know, and we would use that all the time. But nowadays it's like, forget it. You know, it's just so easy to you know, get to your phone and, and, and search for wherever you're searching for. I mean, it used to be like before, before with cell phones, like I would call someone or I'd look on a map, I'd write down directions. So I knew exactly where I was going. Now, like I start heading out somewhere and I don't even, you know, until I punch it into my phone while I'm driving or I'm stop at a stop sign or whatever, you know, that's when, that's when I start punching or right when I'm leaving the driveway, I punch it in there. You know, you don't even consider that. So what if you couldn't do that? Maps would be a good move. For those of us that wear glasses or those of us who you might be older, but you don't need glasses yet, eventually you will need them. Well, so what about some extra reading glasses or some readers? And you can start out with, I mean, you could get them at the dollar store, you know, with a 0.75 start and then go to a one, a 1.25 and you can kind of go up from there. But I think that would be really important. If you if you do have prescription glasses, you can get your glasses then you, you know wherever you normally get them, and then you can order some from Zenny, and they're a lot cheaper, and you can have a backup pair if you needed a backup pair. So anyway, I've I've done that. Uh, actually, I like the the glasses that I have from Zenny better than I have than I the ones that I that I got from the place that I normally get them from. Along those lines is something that you might not have thought about is a magnifying glass. So as you know, you get older as, as maybe you get to a point where, okay, your prescription has changed, but you can't go and get a new prescription, maybe a magnifying glass with maybe a little light on there or something like that would be very, very helpful. And so I have one in the kitchen just because sometimes trying to read labels or whatever, it's a, it's a pain. And so I think it, that's, it's a smart move to be able to, uh, to read things or to be able to see things that you're having trouble with. So a magnifying glass might be a smart move. They're not very expensive at all. Another thing that people probably don't think about are things like fun items, like cards and board games and, you know, entertainment type items. Um, kids aren't going to have their, their, their Game Boys or Nintendo or Playstations or whatever they have or their phones. You know, you, you're going to have to be very careful about what you use your, your batteries for and what you charge and stuff like that. Um, and there might not be a lot of downtime, you know, but if there is, you want to be able to have some fun. So having some cards, knowing some card games, maybe you write those down somewhere. And so you, you know, the rules to, to play them. I think that would be smart. Having some board games, having chess, having checkers, dominoes. I think that's always a smart move. And the last thing is, well, I'm sorry. It's not the last thing. Um, second to last thing is uh, things for your musical instruments. So for instance, I play guitar. And one of the things I always thought about it, like if we were in a, a serious situation, emergency situation, I could always play the guitar, lead worship. Even if I had to preach or whatever, I could do that. But 
one of the things I, I often do is I break strings. So I would want to stock up on strings. So if you're like a musician or uh, maybe you play like a saxophone, clarinet, whatever, you might want to have some extra reeds, uh, you know, things that would help you with your, whatever musical instrument you have would be something smart. Maybe you stockpile something there. And then the, the last one is work gloves. I have purchased gloves before just they were on sale that like you go to Home Depot, you see a, you know, a big bucket of, you know, work gloves that are on sale. You buy a bunch of them and then you go through them. I mean, they, you, you will wind up using them. Now, some of these are cheap. I have some better ones and expensive ones that, you know, are going to last a lot longer leather ones, but sometimes, you know, having those cheap ones, it's, it's valuable. They're only a couple of bucks. Buy some of those, have some of those on hand if you need them or to give them away to people if, if, if need be. But work gloves, I think is something that you can stockpile that would uh, pay off dividends later on down the road. Now, one of the things he did talk about in this article that I think is very, very smart is that every, everybody's going to be in a different situation. So there's going to be some things that like, are specific to you that you need to stockpile that nobody else really has thought about. So if you're always dependent on finding a list somewhere on the internet or, you know, Hey, what, what did you hear on the podcast or whatever? You might miss really important things that you need. One of the things, the strategies, and listen, this is not, uh, this is not easy to do. It takes a little bit of time, but stopping, stopping and sitting down somewhere and thinking through your day, like thinking through your morning, what types of things did you do in the morning to get ready? And so like brushing your teeth or taking a shower, what did you use for that shower? You know, shampoo, you use soap, uh, you use a towel, you turned on the electricity in the morning, you had coffee, you know, going through all those things and like, okay, what, how could I replicate that if I needed to replicate that? Do I have enough soap? Do I have enough shampoo? How would I wash my towels? Do I have light to be able to take a shower if the water was still running, but the electricity wasn't on? Or how would I maneuver around my house? How would I have coffee? You know, those different kinds of things. How can you, how can you figure out what you truly need for you is to think about a normal day and what a normal day looks like, and then plugging in what you're missing. Like, you know, if you're like, Hey, at this time of the, you know, I do this, then, and, and you don't have a backup plan for that or something, you know, a redundancy for that, then that's something that you need to possibly get for yourself, not just something that you read on a list somewhere. Right. So I think that's important. So sit down, think through your day. Maybe you do it in chunks. Maybe you're like, you know, you, you get ready in the morning and after you get ready, you're like, okay, let me sit down. Let me write down everything I did. Then you go into the afternoon. Okay. After lunch, let me write down everything that I've done, everything that I've used, everything that I've touched. And then you go into the, to the, to the evening. Okay. And right before bed. Okay. Let me write down everything that I did, everything that I touched, everything that I needed and see, is there anything missing? So that's just a strategy that you can use. It, it's, it sucks because it takes a long time, but if you can sit down and you can do that, you can probably figure out some items that you need that you didn't realize you needed. All right, guys, like I said, I'm going to link to the article on Survival Sullivan. I'm also going to link to episode 524 and episode 525 with Dr. Bones so that you can uh, hear those again and get some advice on stockpiling meds and antibiotics and kind of go from there. Well, guys, that is it for episode 780. Let, Let me ask you for a really big favor here. If you are listening and you've never given the podcast a review, I would appreciate a review wherever you listen to podcasts, whatever that might be, whatever network that might be. And if you haven't subscribed, then make sure you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. When you do, I'm going to send you my blackout checklist to know what you should do before, during, and after the lights go out. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next time, live with no regrets and stay prepped and aware. Peace.